Here we are again, again. Things Bama, powered by BamaCentral.com. I'm your host, Tyler Martin, and I am joined by editor of BamaCentral.com, Christopher Walsh. Chris, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Glad to have you back on here. Thanks. Um, glad to be back, and, and happy holidays to you and your family and to all of our listeners, the Bama Central um, nation, if you will. Um, it's It's been quite a year. And the, the thing that we are, you know, at the end of the season, at the end of the year, at the end of a decade, and just it's it's a good time to reflect and kind of take stock of everything that's happened. And, you know, for this website, this this was a big year for us and and we're thrilled and we're excited. And we'll talk about that some more moving forward. But, um, you know, we can't say thank you enough to people. Yeah, 2019, just an uh, absolutely incredible year, uh, Ben Central. I know I just – I got on in August kind of, you know, later. You and Joey um, had been on there. You know, Joey had been on there longer than me, and obviously you started it. And um, just, you know, this past year, I guess if you could um, – I, I guess you already did that, but maybe just if you could sum it up, you know, just how, you know, your feelings, Chris, about it. <laughs> I don't know if it's possible to sum up because, you know, we started this – July two uh, July two thousand eighteen, and I'll I'll never forget. Um, it quickly came together, you know, right before SEC Media Days, and I actually went to SEC Media Days thinking that all I was going to do was promote the site. And next thing you know, I got a um, a message from somebody in the Maven organization of like it, it was just very very small. It was just hey, you're, the site's up. <laughs> and it was like what you know and so literally as i'm sitting there you know listening to people go around sec media days and all i'm putting content on the site so we you know to to, to get it going and to think that that was a year and a half ago and we are now going to be having you know now we're part of the sports illustrated family and you and Joey are going to be uh, moving into larger roles. We're thrilled about, and it's just it's kind of kind of blows my mind how quickly it happened because I thought it was going to take probably about three years to get to where we are now. Yeah, everything seems to be moving ahead of schedule, and it's you know it's awesome to be a part of you know a growing site and a growing network. You know, along with all the other sports. And I mean, obviously now we're affiliated with Sports Illustrated and all the other Maven sites. Um, but, you know, 2020 listeners is, is also going to be another big year for Bama Central. Just like Chris mentioned, you know, he is now – and he, he mentioned this in the Just a Minute video uh, just a couple days ago, but he, he hired on Joey Blackwell and then me as well. So, uh, you know, to, to do this and take this, you know, head on, and um, I'll be covering recruiting and Joey will be heading up, you know, basketball in spring. We'll be doing baseball and then obviously football as well. So it, it's exciting times, Chris. What what is maybe something you're most looking forward to in 2020 in terms of maybe the site uh, in general? Well, for me personally, being able to take a day off, I am thrilled and ecstatic about. Um, <laughs> I can't begin to tell you how excited I am about that. But in, in terms of our coverage, it's we're going to be uh, taking it to the next level, and you will uh, readers will start seeing a difference uh, with basketball coverage uh, right off the bat. Um, these these next couple of months with our, our coverage of the team. Uh, we have three people who, uh, you know, in, including Tyler, including Joey, the other being uh, Kerry Clark, three people who are 
uh, going to be around the team on a regular basis. And we want to have the best basketball coverage that there is, period. And there's just no way around that. Um, and I'm going to chime in some columns, uh, hopefully occasionally, uh, with, as the season regresses. And then the other really big thing that we're going to be adding more to is just our recruiting coverage. And that is in tandem with Sports Illustrated, which is, you know, di- you know it's, it's diving in headfirst into the recruiting world. And John Garcia Jr. is is heading that, those efforts, and that's going to be absolutely terrific and wonderful. And, um, and you know, he's he's one of those people who just works his tail off. And you know, we are going to have recruiting rankings and and things like that, and people out and about doing evaluations. And and Tyler is going to be a a, a really big part of that. So. Uh, just those two things alone, I think, are going to be huge. And then, you know, we're going to be adding on top of that. Yeah, I also want to say about, about the recruiting. The last episode of All Things Bama, um, me and John Garcia had talked about Alabama signees, the class there, and, you know, maybe a little, little early look ahead to February. But we did recap the early signing day, and it's about 45 minutes or so. And it's just um, really, really great insight from John just about the class and, you know, just about some guys who may be a little underrated coming in, just names to watch. Very excited. Uh, you know, and uh, really, bad, you mentioned basketball. Basketball winners for the last five. Um, got a game on Sunday, the 29th. Uh, last non-conference game before SEC, SEC conference play gets gets going. So it, it's exciting. Um, and I think, I, you know, it's just – it's it's a unique position here at Bama Century, you know, to be able to cover. You know, we're a site that's going to try to cover everything Alabama. And um, you mentioned, you know, me and Joey, but also with Allie Wright as well. You know, covering um, gymnastics and then helping out with softball as well. Yeah, and and we had baseball and softball coverage last year, and we are going to be taking the next steps in those in, in the coverage of those teams. Um, gymnastics is one of those areas we just couldn't get to last year, so we're thrilled that we're going to be able to have uh, regular coverage of, of that uh, moving forward. And, you know, when is basketball down the stretch? You know, that team is is playing better. And Allie's going to be covering that team, um, uh, you know, as, as we see how that team progresses. So we, um, we don't want to leave any stones unturned. And we don't want to be just a site that's known for just one sport or one aspect. We want to be very diverse and and just, you know, we, we believe that those other sports are really, really important and they, that they need to be covered. And so we're going to have someone there and, you know, from last year to this year, we wanted our coverage to improve. And that's going to be the goal again, you know, moving forward this year to next year. And then, you know, the year after that, same thing. It's, it's, we want to get better and, and continue to grow and do it the right way. So move, moving, moving forward, Chris, on to what we need to talk about on the, on, on this podcast. Sure. Uh, let's do. Let's go ahead and do our breakdown of the Alabama Michigan game. When I had carry on a couple weeks ago, we we briefly talked about it. it really didn't do much in depth. Uh, but Chris, let me start with this. You know, when this game was announced, uh, you know, and you look at this game compared to all the other New Year's Day bowl games, and then maybe the New York New New Year's Six bowl games, and outside of the playoff games. I think this might be the most intriguing non-New Year's, New Year's Six game and maybe even more intriguing than some of those games. What yeah, you- it's, it's kind of like, you know, in hockey when you have an original six matchup, you know. Uh, that, that's the kind of feeling I get with it. Alabama-Michigan, you know, they've only played four times 
uh, over all the years that they've been in, in existence, which just seems kind of crazy. And just to um, add something personal, the let's see here. Uh, was it the first game? I'm trying to think if it was the first. Well, I, I think it was the first college football game I covered technically as a sports journalist just happened to be Alabama, Michigan. And it was Gene Stallings, last game. And <laughs> which, you know, it's, it's quite a, a, a way to start it. But the one thing that I remember about that, I'm probably going to do a column on this next week was looking at uh, all the fans, uh, you know, the, the outpouring emotion for Gene, um, you know, with his last game. And I'll be honest going in, I, at the time, I wasn't living in Alabama. I, I was living in Florida. I thought for sure that Michigan was going to win that game. I, I, I was just like, there's no way Alabama's going to win this. And then Alabama did win it, of course. But just watching the outpouring of emotion and all, I just was sitting there going, these people are nuts. <laughs> and um, I, told that, I told that story to Gene, and he, he really laughed. He thought it was really funny, and he, he was great about it. And I have since, I mean, that was... 20 some years ago. And I've since gotten quite the education when it comes to um, not only Alabama football, but SEC football and, and, you know, the whole region. Um, you know, I, I thought I understood football 20 some years ago. Uh, I didn't have a clue. Well, now you do, obviously you've been covering Alabama multiple years in. We're about, to, after we talk about this game, we're going to get into, you know, the, the decade moments, you know, some of the best players of the decade. So, uh, you'll definitely have a lot of great insight for us there. But, you know, this game is so, like, it's so intriguing to me Another for another reason. You know, two story programs like you just mentioned. Um, and the four times they met, uh, you know, the last time was in the Orange Bowl and Michigan had a had a guy named Tom Brady. And, uh, it, oh, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, I, I completely slipped my mind the 2012 game in uh, AT&T Stadium. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, with Denard the, the Robinson. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I'm so sorry. That slipped my mind. But yes, uh, you know, and I guess, in, yeah, bowl game last time they played, Orange Bowl, Michigan had a guy named Tom Brady. Um, but another thing is kind of the Saban versus Harbaugh dynamic. You know, they've had some, you know, headbuttings on, off the field a little bit too when it comes to, you know, maybe they're recruiting the satellite camp issue and all that. I, to me, like when it's when it terms to, you know, coaching head to head, this to me is just—I mean—it's just—it's—it's—it's it's, it's drama, and it's—it's it's off the field too, and it's you know on the field as well. Yeah, just it's and, and that's I think the, the biggest whole key to to this is having two such big personalities. You know, two coaches have been tremendously successful, but it's you know Harbaugh has—he's got something to prove, and it's funny because I always. I've been hearing these people saying, oh, this game's bigger for Alabama than it is for Michigan. I, I don't necessarily buy into that because if, if Michigan lays another egg here in, in the bowl game, I, I think people really have to be wondering where is this program going in, in you know, what kind of direction are they going in um, under this coach? I mean, it, they're good. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, it's, it's Michigan is definitely a, a top 15 team and, and they're solid. They've got a lot of good players, but, you know, it's kind of like it's one of those places like Alabama where good is not good enough. You've got to be great. You've got to be challenging for, you know, Big Ten titles, national championships and and the like. And Michigan really hasn't done that. It's It's been really a long time. Um, you know, there was uh, 
you know, you can point to a couple of years, but Ohio State has really owned that conference of, of late. And I don't think there's any, any way to argue around that. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I, to me, you know, this game, it's – I I mean, I, I think it's equally important for both teams. And I, I don't know if you can say that or not, but, you know, Alabama wants to get the sour taste of, you know, a, a two-loss regular season out of their mouths. And, you know, Michigan was projected to be in the playoff as well because you look at it, Urban Meyer had just left the Big Ten this season. You know, um, he got out of coaching, so it was Ryan Day's new team. You didn't know what the first-year first year head coach – was going to bring to the table, even though Ohio State might have had more talent on the roster. You know, Michigan, a, a vetted team, a team that had been through a lot with Harbaugh. You know, this is year, I mean, year five for him. So, um, you know, there was a lot of expectations. And obviously, um, both teams um, did not meet, you know, the respective um, expectations of either fan base. But, uh, I, you know, I just, in my own mind, I just think, you know, all coaches have an ego. And both of these guys do not want to lose this game, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally, and absolutely. And uh, you know, it's the off season's a lot longer when you ha- when you take a loss, when you end the season on a loss. And for Alabama, I think it would silence some of the critics. Which you know, I mean, they lost two games by what eight, eight points, something like that. I mean, it's I don't quite understand where all the the negative talk is about Alabama. Um, it, you know, it, even though they're not in, not in the playoff, uh, this would be a great way to really kind of just shut them up. And for Michigan, obviously, you know, to finally get a big win in, in a game like this would, would be huge for Harbaugh. But, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's an intriguing matchup. You know, my biggest complaint about this whole thing is that the Outback Bowl is the same time as the Citrus Bowl. And those two might be the best m- matchups. Um, you know, in, in the whole entire bowl system uh, this year outside of the playoff. Yeah, Auburn, Minnesota, I know, I mean, I'm, you know, the thing about the Outback Bowl, which is this is kind of off the subject here, but the Outback Bowl, you got the team Blooming Onion and the, and the shrimp going at it, and the day after, you know, everybody gets the free appetizer, whatever team wins. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't know which team is what appetizer, but if, whoever's the Blooming Onion, I'll be, I'll be especially rooting for them. Um, so, but, yeah, uh, you know, this game, when you look at on the field, Chris, um, you know a lot of t- a lot. I think a lot of people going into this game didn't expect this many Alabama stars to play in this game. You know, you had Jerry Judy uh, a couple weeks ago come out and announce that he's playing in this game. You've had Najee Harris practicing. Um, you've been at the bowl practices. What have um, you know? What have you? What have you seen? What have you kind of taken away? And it appears that this Alabama team will be at almost full strength, with the exception of Trayvon Diggs and Terrell Lewis. Yeah, it it looks. Um... It, it looks like they're going to be the only two uh, big names. Well, DJ Dale's not going to play because of an injury, it looks like. But in terms of guys and their future, yeah, Lewis is not playing. Diggs is not playing. I think the rest of them, um, they're going to lose a couple more guys to the to the draft. I, there's no doubt about that. But it's, I think these guys are looking at, like, I can help my draft stock. I can only improve my status if I play into play in this game. And I I think Jerry Judy heard some whispers because, you know, that the Auburn game, it's just, you know, they'd had key downs and he wasn't on the field. It was kind of like, what, what's going on here? And, and I think he, he heard some of that talk and it was like, okay, I need to go out on a good note here. And if I do, you know, I'm a top, you know, top first half of the, of the, of round one, you know, draft pick. And that's, you know, a lot of money, obviously. So 
it's it's I, I can kind of understand why a lot of these guys have elected to um, play in this game. It's it's you know we Kerry Clark had the story for us a couple weeks ago about where everyone supposedly was in 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 their draft leanings. And we heard very, very quickly from someone in the know afterwards. They were like, you got you got that story right. The one guy that um, we had to clarify was Terrell Lewis and that he's definitely leaving. And and so it, it's that story is, is has held up. And I, I haven't heard anything about anyone kind of shifting away from the positions that we reported on that day. But. You know, these guys got to spend some time with their families, obviously, for Christmas. So it's it's there's probably been some interesting talk. And I'm looking forward to hearing what some of these guys say when we get down to Orlando. Yeah, and you and Joey are actually headed down there Friday. So we're recording uh, this Thursday night, headed tomorrow, right? Well, we're, we're posting this um, Friday morning. So it's when, when this is on the site, we're driving. So... <laughs> Um, and, and one guy that I'm really, in, you know, interested in seeing in this game is Najee Harris. Um, the Michigan defensive front, they are actually holding opposing running backs to a little over three yards of carry, which is um, like top 25 in the nation. Um, now, they haven't really faced many potent rushing offenses outside of Ohio State, um, but, you know, still impressive nonetheless. And I, I know, you know, with Mac Jones in there, uh, you know, He'll be handing off a little bit more. We saw that in the Auburn game. You know, they were feeding Najee there. Um, but I'm, I'm interested to see him in this ball game. You know, who who is kind of your X factor in this game, Chris? Yeah, you know, it's it's you look at the matchups, and Michigan does have a, a, a really good front seven, but it's an undersized front seven uh, defensively. And I think that is something that Alabama is going to try to take advantage of. The other, the other really big key to the game is just, you know, the defensive backs for Michigan and how they keep up with Alabama's wide receivers. Because if Alabama's wide receivers are flying, uh, this could be a long – this could turn into a long game for the, for the Wolverines. And you look at the losses that, that Michigan had uh, in particular this year. You know, the, the Wisconsin game, they got run over basically by, by, the, by the Badgers. But then Ohio State, it's, it's – you know, they did a, more of a combination, but it, they were – had – an incredible amount of success in the air and Alabama's wide receivers are definitely better. So it's, if Alabama comes ready to play offensively, uh, yes, you know, with Mac Jones, the quarterback, I admission is going to have trouble if, and, and it's, it's all going to boil down to me. It's just the, the want to factor. If Alabama really wants to play well, if the players come ready to play, I, I, I could see Alabama win this game going away, but it's, if, you know, if it isn't quite that, I think we could have a very close game. Yeah, you mentioned the Ohio State game for Michigan. And in that game, Michigan, the defensive backs, they averaged over 11 yards of pass and then Justin Fields threw for four touchdowns. So, um, yeah, you mentioned that. I, mean, I, I would say I would take Alabama's wide receiver core over, over Ohio State. And they've, they've got a great receiver in Chris Olive. But, um, but yeah, I mean, if they, if they give up 11 yards per pass and four scores – to uh, Mac Jones and company, it is going to be a very long day right. for them. Um, but also, you know, defensively for Alabama, um, the main the main issue with this with the Michigan team, I think, you know, about halfway through the season, really, you go look at their their schedule and you go look at you know the results. It was really the second half of that Penn State game where they really flipped a switch and really started to t- turn it on offensively. Um, mm-hmm. Shea Patterson, 
He really, you know, developed a, a vertical threat with his receivers, um, Nico Collins and Donovan Peoples-Jones and those guys. Um, defensively, Chris, do you, do, we, do you think Alabama looks at this game and, you know, as I say, we want to make a statement, um, you know, because, you know, in the two losses, Alabama gave up 46 and then they gave up 48. And, you know, you, th- you think about – and also they scored 41 and then 45. And you think about it, you're like, you should win – those games if you're scoring over 40 points. Um, but do you, do you think Alabama looks at this game maybe as kind of a, a statement game defensively? I, 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 they better. Uh, I'll put it that way. And, you know, it was kind of interesting. We we were interviewing some players last week, and Mac Jones comes in. And, you know, all we've been hearing about is, oh, the focus is really good. Well, you know, we hear that every year. So I asked Mac, can you give me an example of – the focus being good. And he went, Oh yeah, two days ago, the defense just totally dominated us, which was not an answer that I was expecting. And, you know, these guys have been hearing all year long about how they, they're, they're the weak, you know, the weak link on this team and how they haven't been the same without Dylan Moses. And they haven't been the same, you know, defensively, you know, they've got all these freshmen that are playing and so forth down the line. Um, If that's true, I think that is a very good sign for Alabama. And, you know, they're not going to have Terrell Lewis. They're not going to have Diggs. Um, so it's a chance for some other guys to really step up and show what they can do. You know, like one thing I think that could really hurt Alabama in this game is if if something happens and one of the starting corners gets hurt, what do they do? You know, because all of a sudden they're down another guy. And you know, it's I think Josh Obey's going to do fine, you know, in in this game. You know, they got to get him, keep him from getting a penalty or two. But. Um, if for some reason they have to plug someone else in there, then you kind of start questioning things a little bit. So, um, in general, I, you know, when you talk about the want to factor that I mentioned before, it has to start with the defense. And and that's where I think it, it needs to shine. Yeah. They got to keep Michigan off the field on third downs. It's what Ohio state did. Um, and I mean, you look at, you look at, Michigan's losses, uh, they weren't very good on third downs. And that's, I mean, that's the key down, obviously. That's what Alabama's going to have to do um, to win this ballgame. But, Chris, do you, do you have a prediction for this game? The, the over-unders at 58-and-a-half. So, Vegas is kind of expecting a high-scoring game. And then Alabama's sitting at minus seven right now. You know, I, I, I don't. And the biggest reason why is just because with bowl games, you never know what you're going to get. And it's just – I think if Alabama plays as – plays – efficiently and effectively and if they want to be there i think alabama is going to easily win by by more than seven points but it's still a big if you know it's 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 which team is going to show up are we going to see an alabama team look you know like um you know in the capital one bowl last time that they were in orlando in, in 2010 for you know for a bowl game or are we going to see you know an alabama team that you know didn't quite show up against oklahoma or utah in the sugar bowl um that's going to be the whole key to me. And, and so far, like I said, from what I'm hearing, you know, it sounds like Alabama is going to come ready to go, but you know, we got to wait and see. And yeah, for me, uh, I, you know, I think, I think Alabama covers that seven. I think, I think they win going away. So that's what I'm, that's what, that's what my prediction is. Um, I think, I think it's more, I think, you know, Michigan will come out, they'll hit some big plays early, but I think Alabama's defense settles in and I think they get under control. Um, so yeah, Alabama. I, I I can see Alabama winning this game by two touchdowns. So it's funny. Um, I kind of feel for Shea Patterson because I, he's got to be sitting there thinking, 
you know, what I got to do to get away from these guys? You know? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, listeners, if you didn't know, he's the transfer from Ole Miss, who's now been starting at Michigan. Um, so, yeah, I mean, well, I mean, yeah, last time I think he was in Bryant Denny was, uh, was, he 20, was it 2017, I think? I think, yeah, I think that was the last sure. time he played Bama. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, but, Chris, earlier in the episode we mentioned how reflective of a time and how reflective of a season this is right here we're in, right now going into the new year. And this, this week on Bama Central, um, you've been releasing the top ten moments of the decade. And so I want, I want to ask you about what kind of went into choosing the top ten moments because – you know, Crimson Tide fans, they've enjoyed a plethora of great moments this decade, winning multiple national championships, great games. Um, what, what, you know, what was what was kind of the determining, you know, factors for deciding this? Um, you know, it's, it's hard for me to kind of pinpoint it and say, well, it was because of this or it was because of that. I mean, obviously, you start with the national championship teams. You, you know, you, you think about key games, key plays. Um, you know, key players, and a lot of them kind of just overlap, which was kind of nice. So I didn't have to sit there and do same thing over and over again with this list. And um, I think uh, we are. Let's see here. Um, number seven was the one, the last one that we posted, which was Jalen Hurts. And the uh, I'll, I'll just say that at number six is we're we're wading more into the national championships. Um, so it's, it's, you know, give you a little bit of a, of a tease about what's coming up, but, uh, yeah, it's, you know, the decade that we've experienced, I mean, I wrote a book about it, basically. Um, it's just something we're never going to see again, probably ever, um, a team have this kind of success over, over a 10 year stretch. And it's not just in the wins and losses or the championships. I mean, it's, you know, the number of All-Americans, it's the draft picks. I mean, you look at the NFL now, you can't turn on an NFL game without seeing multiple players from Alabama. You know, it's, it's, it's getting really, really hard. I think there was four teams in the NFL that didn't have a team or a player from, from Alabama this season. And it's just, you know, every single way that, you know, every barometer, every measuring stick that you can use, it's, it's just been a remarkable decade. And so the, fun, the, the list has been fun to do, you know, it's because – um i was at all 10 of them so uh it's it's just uh it you know check it out and and you know if you disagree you know post something on there and let us know and and because it's it's definitely open to to uh opinion and interpretation yeah so like you said you're on number six will be released on friday uh when this is when this podcast is released but you have number 10 you have alabama owning tennessee and that and that you know that rivalry and then nine is the 2012 SEC title game. And then eight is, you know, Nick Saban kind of becoming the master of all the other SEC coaches as, you know, most of them are fall underneath his tree. And then the Jalen Hurts. But, um, but yeah, you know, it's just to me, like, and you obviously you wrote a book about it. So, you know, you, 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 under, you understand the depth and the width of it. But uh, it's just, man, it's just hard when you sit down and think about it. The list needs to be about maybe top 25, not top 10. You know, well, it could have been. Um, and, uh, you know, actually, it's I, I want to say thank you to you because you were the one who kind of prodded me. It was like, hey, are you doing a top ten list or something on, you know, biggest games or anything? I was like, oh, yeah, I should do that. <laughs> and so, um, but it's, it's funny because when I put it together, like number eight, um, I think I titled it Saban Becomes the, the Dean of SEC Coaches. What I really wanted to put on there was Nick Saban didn't leave. 
you know, it's just, he's, he's still here. He's still going, he's still doing it. And, you know, when he got here in 2007, I mean, it was just, all you heard from people was, oh, he's not going to be there long or, oh, he's going to get his championship and then he's going to go somewhere else or, oh, he's going to go back to the NFL. And um, probably the, my least favorite aspect of the job over the last 10 years was um, chasing a lot of these really stupid rumors about Nick Saban, you know, and, oh, so-and-so's going to go after him and hire him. And it was just, ah, because you just knew it wasn't true, but you still had to chase the story and, and, you know, get people to tell you, you know, that don't worry about it kind of thing. Um, That's kind of where I hit my head, you know, take my head and I start beating it against my desk you know, just in frustration because um, it, it's it's so many people just were just, no, it's not going to happen. It was just, it's happening. Just, you know, stop trying to die. It's happening. He's not going anywhere. And yeah, the one for me really uh, this decade was the Texas rumors. Uh, I think, I mean, it might've been 2014, end of 2014 going into the 2015 off season, maybe. Uh, I, I, I might be incorrect there, but I think it was the Texas rumors to me that were kind of seen maybe um, the biggest threat at the time. Well, and see, here's the thing that a lot of people don't understand about Texas is you have a lot of really big name boosters with a lot of big time money and they all have, they all want to have their finger in the pie, if you will. And because one person is saying one thing doesn't mean necessarily that's what the school is doing or the other boosters feel the same way. There's really a lack of um, uniformity, if you will. And what they, Texas desperately needs is for just one person who is just, this is the guy who's in control and that's the way it's going to be. And it's just never going to happen there just because of the way that, that things are set up. So um, did Texas want to hire Nick Saban? I'm sh- absolutely it did. And I'm sure that there were some very interesting discussions between Texas and, um, you know, people acting for Texas, I should say, and Nick Saban's agent. And, you know, Nick Saban's agent, that's his job, you know, to represent, you know, do, he's, he's representing his client, doing things in the best interest of his client. And, you know, it, it doesn't mean that Nick was ever seriously thinking about leaving. Um, I don't think it ever got that far. I'm, I'm sure that, you know, the overtures were gracious and, you know, some people thought it was a lot more true than it was, but, um, I never got to the point where I was going, oh my God, he, or excuse my language. Oh my goodness. He might leave. Um, so that was another one. That one just kind of, that drove me a little more nutty than the other ones. And let me ask you this before we get into the discussion about the all decade players, is number one on this list, is that one of your personal favorites? Or do you have a favorite that you, like, when you think of the decade, what's a moment that comes to your mind? Well, okay, number one is the moment that is, I mean, I, I think it is the one that really, um, it's the one that I think fans like the most, um, appreciate the most, are excited the most uh, about. So I don't want to give away what it is, um, but it's it's one of those, you know, I mean, you, you can probably look at a lot of the big games that they've had and like, okay, what's, what's the one that kind of jumps out to me and you'll probably get it. And that will, yeah, that will be in the next, in the next couple of days. Um, like Chris said, we're on numbers. We just did number seven on Thursday. Number six will be Friday and it will be a, a daily, a daily thing on the site. So y'all make sure to check that out. Just, to, also, let you, uh, just to let everyone know, number one will be announced before midnight 
on New Year's Eve. So it's it's going to be, you know, it's it has to be posted in this decade. <laughs> so it'll be late night uh, on the night before the game. That's exciting. Um, but then moving moving forward, you know, when this is when this is up on the side, it's also going to be a list of the all day de- Bama Central's all 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 decade players. And so when you were when you were you know compiling this list of players, Chris, um, what was what was the most challenging things about doing that? And uh, yeah, we'll we'll start there. The one thing about these teams, I've done a lot of them over the years, is. I always get people who are like, well, what about so-and-so? And I pretty much have a standard response, and, and that is, okay, th- that person was very, very good, but who do you take off you know, the, the, the first team, if you will, to get them on there? And that's always the tricky part. It's, it's, you look at certain positions, and there, there are guys who absolutely should be first team all decade, hands down, but because of the other players that that were on that team, or you know, who played for Alabama, you can't quite do that. And the the best example of that, and I'm I'm not going to give away um, who I picked, but uh, you know, wide receivers, you got to pick three. Okay, so there's Amari Cooper, there's Jerry Judy, there's Calvin Ridley, there's Julio Jones, there's uh, you know Devonta Smith, there's uh, Henry Ruggs. But, um, you know, you look at trying to pick three for a first team, you're going to be leaving off somebody who was very, very good, someone who was a first-round draft pick. Yeah, what what were kind of, like, when you were determining this, what were some factors that you valued um, more than others to put, to put you know, those, those players on that list? Like, what, um, what the first-team guys, what set them apart? I guess, what kind of factors were those? Well, I mean, you start with stats. I mean, that's that's obviously a biggie. Um, accolades, honors. Uh, you know, did uh, did did somebody was 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 somebody considered the best at his position when he played? You know, either in the SEC or in college football. Um, you know, like it's it's trying to figure out. Like Barrett Jones is a really good example of this. You can't have a team like this without Barrett Jones. But the thing is, what position do you put him at? Because he played three of them. He played guard, then moved to tackle, then played center. And then you start playing around a little bit like, okay, you know, well, who else do they have at, at those positions kind of thing? Um, and, yeah, he is on the first team. Um, he, he had to be. Um, but it's – it's. I think it might surprise people where I put him. But in, in my mind, it's the best fit. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if that really explains it. But, um, you know, you, you, can, you can massage it a little bit. Is there anybody who didn't make your list? Maybe an honorable mention? Oh yeah, oh yeah. There's, there's well, I, we've got a first team, a second team, and then um, I list honorable mentions. And you know, one of the tough things is like, okay, how much do you include a guy, say, who played one season in 2010, but you know, he he actually played three seasons. You know, as and do you consider all three years? Or do you consider just one? Um, that was something that was a little bit tricky. And then you know, like. This year's guys, where do you where do you squeeze in some of these guys from this year's team? Because, you know, this was a very very talented team, and you know, it's even if even if Alabama beats Michigan, it's still not going to quite live up to expectations. I don't think there's any way. And when it comes to you know determining the first and second team, I do want to ask you about one position, Chris, and and I don't want you to give away who you had on your first team. 
Sure. But I, do, I do think there is there is an interesting debate at this position. It's the quarterback position. Okay. I think obviously it's down to Tua and AJ McCarron. Yeah, it's a tough decision. I mean, because you know AJ was a, a three year starter. He he came very very close to being the first quarterback in the history to to three peat. I mean, they came incredibly close to that. Um, you know, so you have to weigh that versus. You know, it's who's a better passer, um, who played in a different, you know, what system, who had what receivers. Uh, and, and then you got to, you know, you, you make a judgment call is, is basically what it boils down to. Yeah, I think, you know, I mentioned the, the almost, the almost three peat. What I think a lot of fans don't, don't, I mean, a lot of fans kind of forget and it was kind of taken away by the kick six. But in that 2013 Iron Bowl, you know, AJ had that pass to Amari for 99 yards. And at the time, you know, the longest play um, in Alabama history from scrimmage. And uh, and I think, you know, that would have probably sealed his Heisman moment because, you know, the next week he would have had a chance to play Missouri, kind of, you know, bolster the numbers up a little bit. And that could have been his Heisman moment. And think about it. If he goes on, wins three straight and wins the Heisman, I mean, I still think even without that, there's still a debate there. But, I mean, that's just – I mean, you're talking about a guy who could be considered one of the – I mean, the Crimson Tide greats at the position. Yeah, and I, I don't think A.J. quite gets the credit that, that he deserves. Uh, he, he, he was a terrific quarterback. And, you know, I, I hate that term of, you know, um, you know uh, on-field, you know, field general or whatever, you know, uh, that, that is used too often to describe quarterbacks and – you know, AJ was very, very good. And, you know, it's a shame that he hasn't really gotten a chance to show how good he is in, in the NFL. But, you know, he he was a real deal. And, you know, he's, he's the first guy in program history to win the Maxwell Award, which is one of the three big, you know, MVP awards, you know, with the Heisman. Um, and it's, you know, it's 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 hard to really to, to kind of put it in the words, but it's he. He, he just doesn't get – yeah, it, he's really good. It's just the, the only way that I can put it. And so to sit there and try to pick a quarterback between him and Tua, it wasn't easy, I'll tell you that. So No, it's definitely a tall task. But then another position, too, that I want to briefly mention I, that I think would probably be another – like just similar to as a quarterback, hard to pick, and, and that's at the linebacker spot. Was it a tough time doing, doing linebackers? Um, yeah, and – it's well, actually, linebackers were hard. Defensive backs were incredibly hard. Um, just because I, in a way, I cheated a little bit in that I included a, um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, a, a star player and a money player. And because, um, or star or money, it's, you know, the nickelback basically, because that's basically what, what, what Alabama plays nowadays. So, uh, it, I did go with four linebackers as as my starting four. Um, I didn't break it down into inside and outside linebackers, which would have been even even harder, um, just just because of you know it, it's you're getting into like some really finite details, and some of these guys obviously could have played at, at different spots if it, if it really mattered. But you know when you start talking about the defensive backs, I mean you you just look at the sheer number of guys that they have and it's just you know wow it's it's incredible yeah and linebackers too, it's just like to me you know cj mosley dante hightower reggie ragland reuben foster and i mean countless others it's just like 
you know, ha, ha, I mean, who who's the best out of that group? You know, it's just that that that's that seems incredibly difficult. We could actually do a whole podcast on that debate, uh, you know, moving forward at, at at some point of who's the best linebacker during the Saban era because. Yeah, there have been some some really really talented linebackers that, that have come through here, and I I personally have um, my favorite who may not be the same as as others. And you know, if we ask like an NFL expert, you know, who's the best linebacker that came out of Alabama, they probably say somebody different from from what I would. So it's it's a lot of possibilities there. Yeah, I, I'm I'm interested to see to check in on who you who you do have at quarterback and who you have at linebacker because I mean at the quarterback I, I can't also I can't wait to see what um, what the conversation stirs on Twitter as well because I know people will chime in and then tweet at you um, that you know you either got it right or you got it wrong. So. Oh, I, I hope so, and I'm you know it's it's um, you know we want to invite people to do so and and you know spark some conversation here because. Uh, just because this is the team that I picked uh, doesn't necessarily mean that it's 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 100 percent accurate, you know, and, and, and you know, someone might come along and say, here's why I picked this person and, and, and give good reasons. And, you know, I might disagree, but it's 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 always fun to, to hear those things. And then also, you know, Chris, this weekend before the Citrus Bowl on New Year's Day, we do have the college football playoff. And I asked Kerry this when he was on two weeks ago, but um, I do want to ask you. Go ahead and give me your prediction for the college football playoff and the Peach Bowl and the Fiesta Bowl. You know, I, I swear, this year in particular, this is the first year I look at these teams. I don't have a clue who's going to win these games. I, I just, I have none. And it's the closer we get to Oklahoma, LSU, the, the more I think this game is going to be close. And it, it's, you know, starting to factor in who's not playing, which is becoming a huge thing. Um, for this game, because I think Oklahoma's now got five guys who are going to not play in the game, and LSU is going to be missing a running back, and it's just, you know, the the more I think about it, the more I think this game might turn into a shootout, and if it does, then it's a crapshoot. Anybody can win it. Um, and you know, Clemson, Ohio State. I mean, I I just don't know. I just want to be a fan in this game and just kick my feet up and just watch it. I think it just this has the this could be just an outstanding, outstanding college football game. And I kind of like Clemson, but that's partly because I haven't seen enough Ohio State, to be honest. So Clemson to me is kind of a sleeping giant. They've just kind of been waiting for their chance to, you know, suddenly lurch out and snare another trophy. And, you know, they might just do it. So, so, so leaning Clemson and and the LSU, LSU, Oklahoma is a toss-up to you right at the moment. Uh, you know, I guess if if I've got to pick someone, I I, I kind of like Clemson. I like, I guess, I kind of like LSU. Um, but it's just it, it's there's there's just way too many variables on this, you know. And and we've learned time and time again, it's um, you know, with a playoff, it's it's just how these things can just go from blowout to last second, you know, victory. Um, the momentum's huge, and you know these teams have been off for a month, and and just so forth down the line. You know, you never know with with the with the, with the postseason which team's going to show up, and 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 you know who knows. Um, so it's just I, I I'm I'm not trying to duck your question, but I just don't have a good answer for it. Yeah, I'm I'm on the same page. Like I told Kerry, I I I got LSU winning a close one, and then Clemson I think pulls away late against Ohio State, which I think you know. And I think you mentioned this before was one of your 
was one of your reasons for not having an eight-team playoff. You wrote about this on the site, but it's like some of these semifinal games just get blowouts. And I don't think we have that this year, but, um, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for two really good contests as well. But if it is Clemson and LSU in New Orleans on January 13th, um, I, I've got to think Clemson uh, hoist that trophy yet again. He could, you know, and, and you go back and you look at the success that they've had of that program lately. And, you know, everyone's quick to point out, it's like, well, you know, they haven't played a lot of tough games. Well, they're, they've taken care of business. And when they played those tough games, they've won them. And, you know, it's, as far as I know, Clemson is healthy. They've got a ton of talent on that team. They've been there. They know how to do it. Um, you know, if, I guess the great variable to me is just, are they still as hungry as they were last year or, or the year before kind of thing? And how hungry is Ohio state, which, you know, who knows it's, it's, we're just going to have to kind of find out. So, but um, I, I just, I, I really just want to be a fan on Saturday night, kick my feet up and I want to watch these games and, and just enjoy them. And, you know, while we were talking, I looked up the, the rankings again, just to kind of remind myself and, um, you know, if we had top eight teams in the playoff, I mean, the, the quarterfinals would have been LSU, Wisconsin. Yeah, I don't want to see that. Ohio State, Baylor. No, I don't want to see that. Clemson, Oregon. No, don't want to see that. Oklahoma, Georgia would have been OK. That would have been an interesting game. But um, I I just I there's nothing that makes me want an 18 playoff. I just I, I don't think we need to go that direction. And I'm sick of teams saying, well, we want to be included, too. Well, win that's all you got to do just take care of your business and win and you're there and they have no one to blame except for themselves yeah i mean more times than not there's not really going to be three undefeated teams at this point in the season this year has been kind of an outlier with three elite elite ball clubs so um but yeah but thank you again chris for hopping on here um talking about Alabama, michigan the all decade moments and all decade team uh listeners make sure you guys are on the site daily. These will be posted. And please, please, please comment in our Talk of the Tide forum page. Thank you for having me. It's great, great being here. And, and um, just to repeat what we said before, happy holidays to everyone. And thank you so much for being here. Awesome. We want to wish everyone a, a great new year. This has been the All Things Bama podcast, powered by BamaCentral.com.